And whenever you, you wake up, you start realizing that all along you were the author of your story, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Welcome to the Emotional Compass. This is Bodhi. Welcome, everybody, and this is Abiel. Yeah. Today we have a special episode for you guys because we're talking about fasting and how it relates to emotions, but we're also talking about a few other things. We're kind of, you know, there's a lot floating around in both of our heads. And, um, I know fasting is top of my mind because I did a water fast for three days and I'd never been a believer in fasting because I, I mean, I saw people fasting and I was like, these people are, you know, like what's wrong with them? Why are they doing this? Because there's no need why we need to starve ourselves. And the reason I did a fast was because I I was having all of these um, skin issues with my skin, you know, and, and I was like, I'd always heard of a water fast and how a water fast can kind of reset your immune system. And purge the toxins from your system. And so I'd always tried fasting. I mean, very recently, you know, ever since COVID happened, I was like, oh, maybe this weekend I'm going to fast. And I was never successful at it. You know, I would go maybe 16 hours, which is the threshold for intermittent fasting. And After 16 hours, I would go on an eating binge because I was so hungry. But this time, I was, there were two motivations. A, I had kind of run out of food. (laughs) You know, I I just didn't go grocery shopping because I just didn't have time for it. Um, So I was like, instead of going and buying more food, maybe I should just, this is an opportunity for me to actually fast. I don't recommend anyone do this out there. It just so happened it coincided with me, oh, you know, having or wanting to do a fast these these last few months and me not having going shopping. And so I did. And I'd always heard about, you know, the body releasing these ketones, because the way the body works is that every time you eat, it is basically taking that food so that it can store it later, so it can burn it, burn that food for energy so that your lungs can work, your heart can work, your digestive system can work. Those all core functions of your body can work. And it's not just for you to move and exercise. Like all of those, you know, autonomic systems in your body that automatically function without you actually consciously doing something. Like we don't consciously breathe, just happens. Our heart, it just beats, you know, it's pumping blood and purifying blood. So our body needs energy for all of that. I wanted to add something. It not necessarily could store the food. 
it, it, it could do one of two things. It could overwhelm the pancreas and the liver, right? By the food itself being highly processed. And when the liver gets this highly processed food, that well, goes we're not we're not even getting there. I'm just talking about the basic function. The basic function is to take that food, break it down, and first store it. You know, if if the 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 insulin kicks in, and it converts that into glucose, and if the glucose levels are too high, then it stores it as glycogen in your liver. And if there's too much enough glycogen stores in your liver then it converts that into fat. And the fat can be stored either in your liver or different parts of your body. And the amount of fat it can store, that's unlimited. And that would be considered visceral fat. Yeah, I it's guess. Not, it's not going to be good fat. I mean, it's, it's fat stores so that it can burn it later for energy. And, well, the, here's the issue. When it gets overwhelmed, and that glycogen or gets pushed into the, the fat cells from the liver, it, it transfers into visceral fat, which is the most dangerous fat, which is the number one cause for heart disease and diabetes and diabetes. So, okay. so no, no, it's not, it's not a good thing for you to store fat in that manner. It's healthy for you to have fat, but if we, I just wanted to clear that up because you're, you're saying a basic way that the system works well, you know, it's like saying, you know, your TV has three different, has basically two different channels, but we're only talking about channel A. We also have to talk about channel B because if you eat the right foods. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to that, though. You know, yeah, I was just I talking just, about the so, basic mechanism. Correct. Of- I wanted also to include that within this basic mechanism, we also have a different way of the liver behaving if we're feeding it the wrong foods as well. Okay. All right. And, and so, yes, a lot of that, because I predominantly eat pretty healthy. You know, I don't eat a lot of processed foods, uh, at least. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I cut out sodas like decades ago, so I don't drink soda. Um, yeah. And I start, my mornings usually start with a green smoothie, you know, and then, I never eat fast food. So I was like, you know, if, if I'm eating a clean diet, why do I need to fast? Right. And what I realized, and this is without me doing any research on the water fasting, I just watched a couple of YouTube videos on them. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to dive into this. And, and after day two, Actually, day two, the first day was probably the hardest because I'm so used to eating at least three, four meals a day. And, you know, I'm a hard gainer. Like, it's hard for me to put on weight. Okay. Can you break break down for your audience what three of your typical meals, maybe four, would look like? Well, my morning is, like I said, is always... Uh, a smoothie, a green what smoothie. Goes in, what goes into your green smoothie? So it, usually it's just apple, banana, hemp milk, uh, protein powder, collagen powder, chia. What's uh, in your protein powder? Flax seeds. It's a whey protein. Yeah. Does, does it have any sugar? Um, some amount of sugar, but That's it's processed. It's, it's very low in sugar for sure. 
I did a lot of research into which protein to get. And this okay. supposedly was the best one and tastes decent. Okay. Um, so no way. No. <laughs> um, and then lunch is probably something to do with eggs, you know, and then dinner is either you, you chicken, turkey or salmon. Um, yeah, I mean, I usually do like rice or quinoa. Lately, I have cut out the carbs, but that's a whole nother story because I started working out with a trainer. Um, but yeah, and and so, I mean, that does does that answer your question? I just wanted to understand the type of carbs that you're taking, and then for dinner, you're saying turkey, chicken, or tofu? or salmon, or salmon. And you are you baking the chicken or? Yeah, it's usually. Uh, baked or just you know cooked in a pan nice wood ghee yeah uh, avocado oil nice higher higher smoke point yeah and um uh, but but i'm really enjoying the the ground turkey these days it's nice. really delicious um and you just have that like you you brown it and then you just how do you prepare that oh with some you know seasonings i i usually put some garlic powder onion powder i love coriander so i put coriander powder that's my indian roots of course and um yeah either smoked paprika or smoked chipotle yum kind of does it for me yeah that sounds delicious i know you're like a chef level master no, when you no. cook not even close. <laughs> yeah, you are. You cook some really fancy stuff. I wouldn't consider them fancy. More basic. Well, you cook really delicious food. Let me put it that way. Thanks, brother. And uh, anyway, so I was just getting at like when I did the fasting and the second day. So your glycogen stores in your body, in your liver, they, they're there you have enough for like 20 to 24 hours after 24 hours. That's when the body starts attacking your fat stores because the glycogen stores are depleted. And when it starts attacking the fat stores and it's a pretty complex process where it burns the fat, the glycogen is easier to burn than the fat. And so when it starts burning the fat, it releases ketones in your body. And these ketones, like if you hear people about the ketogenic diet, they actually go into your brain and they, they, they're used by the brain for energy. And so the second day when these ketones were being released in my body, I had one of the most productive days ever. I didn't realize what was happening in the moment. And then at the end of the day, I was like, oh, my God, I was so productive. And that's when I realized, oh, my God, this is what had happened. I'd always heard about this theory, but this is the first time I got to experience it firsthand. I want to add also that it makes you volatile and annoyed. Well, I didn't feel that. Because in nature, if you are sitting in a rock and you you start getting hungry and you go a day and the ketones start to shoot out. 
your body will automatically feel discomfort and want to get up and out of where it's laying and be productive to find food. I have to say, I drank a lot of water and I put Himalayan salt in my water and I was peeing a lot, <laughs> but that was kind of like my solace. You know, I was like, okay, I'm feeling hungry. Let me go drink water. And that would like, keep me over till the next half an hour until I wanted to drink more water. And so instead of like snacking or reaching for food, I just reached for water. And after the third day, I always told myself like, I will do this until my body tells me, okay, enough. Or at least something told me, all right, we're done. We can eat now. And so by the third day, I was, I was kind of done. It's not like I was starving. I think I could have gone for a fourth day, but, uh, you know, work was demanding and I needed energy for my basic functions. And so my body was like, okay, we need to eat now. And so I ate and I broke my fast in the typical way that I do. <laughs> My my favorite go-to snack is chips and hummus. So that's how I broke my fast by eating chips and hummus. <laughs> that sounds pretty yummy as well. It was. I mean, you I broke it real fast. Hummus. Right. <laughs> so going back to what you were talking about, the feeding yourself with good and bad foods. And I think that's really important too. And by the way, I've I've been recently reading this book called The Complete Guide to Fasting. I'll uh, put the is link a, in the show notes. It's, is it a slow read or a fast read? <laughs> um, I don't know if you're... Oh, haha. <laughs> I just got the joke. <laughs> um, it's actually pretty great because it's written by three scientists and they bust some of the myths on fasting. Like one of the myths that they bust is like when you fast, it consumes all your uh, muscles. And that's not true because they say it, when we were cavemen and, you know, we used to go days on end without food. And if we burned all our muscles, then we wouldn't be able to hunt for more food. So the, there's some amount of muscle burn, but the muscles are preserved and the fat is attacked because protein is not a great source for energy. The fat or the, glu the glycogen is. Well, there's a... It's my understanding. And by the way, we are no medical doctors. This by no means is meant to be as advice. We're literally two dudes talking yeah. about fasting and our experiences with them. But the amount of the amount of muscle fibers that we have, according to neurology, does not change. So you theoretically cannot lose muscle fibers. You could lose the density of the muscle fiber that you already have. And that's a really good point, right? Just like your fat cells. Your fat cells, you have a certain amount of fat cells in your body. And those fat cells are like little, little socks that get stuffed with fat. And you do not get more of those sacks. You, you still have the same amount. You just 
pack in more junk inside the little fat cell. So that's another point that I want to make clear in this conversation, because there's a lot of people out there that will get uh, liposuction and they will remove certain amount of fat cells. And all of a sudden they can't store fat in those areas where they have removed those fat sacks. So now they start accumulating fat in other parts of their body because they no longer have those areas to accumulate fat. So muscle fibers and fat cells are a certain amount that we do have. And it's my understanding that you do not get more of them. You do not get less of them. You just get them to be bigger or smaller with the same quantity. Just wanted to make that clear. Yeah. And I just want to add that your reason for doing fasting must be, might be different for mine, but I did notice, you know, emotionally I was, it, it's almost as if there was a high, you know, yes, the, there was some amount of hunger, but once you get past that hunger, I felt light. I felt very centered. I felt very balanced. Um, it was an amazing reset for me that I would highly recommend people give it a try. Of course, you know, balance out what your medical conditions are and whatnot. Um, and read the book, you know, I will put a link to this book in the show notes because it gives you all of the science behind it. It gives you all the facts, it busts all the myths and it makes the case for why fasting is good for you. And it makes the case really well. I mean, I didn't even read this book and I just did it on a whim, but do your research. I mean, like Abiel very eloquently put, we're just two dudes talking about this stuff and we're talking about our own experience. Your mileage may vary very much. So definitely do your research before you do this. Do I recommend it? I highly recommend it. I know Abiel is kind of opposed to fasting and he doesn't recommend it. And I'd like to for him to make his own case. I'd love to. I started fasting when I was 10. It was a religious thing, the same way Jesus went 40 days in the desert fasting, because it was our understanding that fasting would bring clarity of mind. Wait, are so you talking I, about Lent? No. Oh. Um, no, I'm not talking about Lent. I, I didn't grow up Catholic. Oh, um, sorry. It's okay. Uh, there's, uh, I forget, over 400 different types of Christians out there, so it's hard to pick one. Um, and it's doctrines, but yeah, I think I was 10, I would start fasting a lot of the times, you know, on a Friday and fast all the way through Saturday. And for me, it was, it was more of building willpower. Fasting was more about denying the flesh, uh, in Christianity, um, it's, it's all about overcoming the flesh so we could get into spirit. It's the rising of the Kundalini uh, ver versus paganism, which is going down into your root, which is about experiencing pleasures. So both of them have a way of getting into the waking up states of consciousness, but they both do them very differently. 
but fasting was one of those methods that was used to awaken your consciousness, to get you closer to your relationship with God. And that's the reason why I used to do it when I was young, but it would always be hard. If you're, if you're a plain kid and you already don't have enough fat in your system because you weigh under a hundred pounds, you know, a day feels like an eternity and water wasn't enough. But then um, I think it was in my mid twenties where I did the master cleanse and that's a, that's not really a fast because you're adding calories, which is the cayenne pepper, the maple syrup and uh, the salt water. Um, but the reason why I didn't like the fasting was I prefer intermittent fasting over long periods of fasting. That's just the way I see things. Um, because the long periods of, of fasting it's just hard on your body and to accomplish the detoxification of the liver, the pancreas, the gallbladder, and all these other um, organs uh, can be done through supplements and nutrition and herbs. So I feel like to accomplish uh, the detoxification and um, living a healthier life doesn't require one to starve or to fast. Um, do I feel like fasting at times has a positive impact on the body and the mind and the relationship with the soul? I, I couldn't agree more. Um, but I think having a clear understanding, the reasons behind the fasting and knowing that there are options that are probably better, I think that's the point that I'm trying to come across. Um, but every time I've gone through a fasting, the body doesn't have to struggle to digest and when the ketones start to flow in the bloodstream, there, there is a surges of energy that you feel, um, which is it's just really nice. And then, you know, on average, we, we hold about, you know, 10 to 20 pounds of excess waste in our intestines that, you know, through the water fasting and other modalities, you could, you could flush a lot of that out as well. Um, doesn't mean that you're going to replenish your gut with the right bacteria, unfortunately, um, we're not treating for that, but the fact that you could, you could, in essence, help move a lot of that junk is, uh, is quite possible. So you, you touched on something very interesting there, which is the intersection between religion and fasting and growing up in India, this was very prevalent, right? Like with the, I mean, I'm not Muslim, but like the Muslim religion has Ramadan, which is one of their, um, you know, big festivals. The festival? Uh, uh, it's a hot, yeah, it's a holiday. Uh, it's yeah, it's, it's a religious holiday, right? And they, they celebrate it over a week or two weeks and fasting is a huge component of that. Yeah. Uh, and they, collectively as a family break the fast in the evening, they're not actually even allowed to drink water or swallow yes. their own, or if they're like really strict, even swallow their own spit. That's wild. And then in the Indian, in the, in the Hindu religion, which is wild is that a lot of times the women are made to fast. It's a month by the way. Oh, Okay. I stand corrected. Um, the women are made to fast so that they can sacrifice 
their well-being for the well-being of the family or their spouse or whatnot. And, you know, I, I grew up watching all of this and it always fascinated me how me fasting is going to please some higher consciousness. You know, I was like, what is the correlation there with me starving myself is going to please this deity that lives up in the sky somewhere and they're going to bestow me with whatever I want. And, and, and it's funny when I did the water fast, I almost felt it was a spiritual experience. And the, the reason I say that, because when I was doing my meditations on the fast, I felt I went so much deeper for sure. And I felt so much more connected. And if you think about us as cavemen, we went days, maybe even weeks without eating. You know, eating was not a daily habit or an hourly habit. Like right now, if you look at a lot of the blogs out there, a lot of the articles out there, They'll talk about smaller meals and they'll talk about eating six to seven times a day. That's, that's very prevalent advice. You know, I don't think we were, I don't think we were starving back then though. I feel like the reason why the woolly mammoth got became extinct was because those humans ate very well. And there's, um, there's a lot of evidence that shows that, um, ways to, to, keep up with the the meat and it was when we got into the agronomy state of the evolutionary states of mankind that we started you know um settling down and creating environments where communities were starting to emerge but when we were the hunters and gatherers i felt like we had it pretty easy like we go kill a large mammal and we're eating for a while well, I, I don't have the statistics on this, right? But from everything that I've read, they say there were a lot of times that we were starving because there was nothing to eat because you had to go and fetch and hunt and get the animal. And you had to feed your tribe. It wasn't just you. And you weren't eating seven times a day. I don't know, man. Those, those, I, I have to disagree with that research because if you go into any tribal community in, let's say, the Amazon or any aspect of humanity, man, they are masterful at hunting, gathering, and catching. It's amazing. Like, they will be eating all the time. Like, they'll, they'll throw a line down and catch a fish without even flinching. It's almost like that that fish line or that hook is just second nature. Um, they'll go and build an arrow and a bow in no time and have a, and have arrows to shoot at something within a matter of hours. And before you know it, they start a fire and they're eating. So <laughs> I, I don't, I have to disagree with you on humans starving. I think those type of humans that were starving um, would become extinct. And then the ones that were eating and feeding themselves just fine um, thrived. And that's where we are now. But I, I don't I don't see that um, unless, well, you know, what I was getting at was that some of the mystics in India 
definitely recommend, I don't want to say starving. I, I'll call it fasting. Because <laughs> fasting is not starving. You know, if, if you have enough fat stores within you, then you're not starving. Um, but some of the mystics in India have been known to go a month without eating. And one of the popes did 44 days to beat Jesus. To beat Jesus. <laughs> yeah, he did. Didn't he do like one or two days more than Jesus did? I have no idea. Yeah, I, it was, I've never heard of this, but that's cool for him. More power to him. Not that Jesus would come down and challenge him again. Um, I mean, my only point was that if you do fast and you're a meditator, pay attention. Pay attention to setting intentions and and how your meditations go. I'm not saying that only fasting and meditating is the key to anything, let alone the key to enlightenment. But uh, it's just an observation that it was it was quite an interesting experience when I was fasting and meditating. I definitely felt I went to depths that I usually don't go to on a regular day. Uh, I wanted to add um, that I've I've also had some really amazing experiences of depleting food, um, but. One thing that's very interesting is when Jesus did go on this fast and a lot of you Christians, you know, don't, I might be misquoting, but he went out to the desert and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, which is what Lent is, which you uh, actually commented on, on earlier. And that's where he has his, his true temptation. Do you, do you even know this story, Bodhi? So he goes off and he goes off into the desert and he is confronted with the devil, uh, Lucifer, Satan. And he's like, if you're God, if you're this almighty God, why don't you turn that rock right there into bread so you could eat? And and, and I forgot how Jesus quoted it, but he basically said, not, not, of, not of bread alone does man live. It's also through spirit. And... In his story, that was a very crucial aspect for the development of him, you know, because after that fast is when he was ready. He's like, now I'm ready to, to be crucified. Now I'm ready to, to transcend to the other levels. So it's amazing that in the story of Christ, which is the story of the hero, there is this challenge that one must come through. And through the preparation of this challenge, a lot of the times this has to do with the body and your relationship with it. So if any of you have never tried fasting or tried a, a format of restricting your food, it is a very powerful experience to be able to deny your body's wanting of something because it builds up your willpower. And for those of you out there that don't understand too much about willpower, I, I used to take martial arts um, for health reasons to, to exercise my, my body and my mind. And one of the professors at the time said this very eloquently. Every time you go through the pain and you go through that heartache and, and you stick with it, you're building your willpower. Every time you're, you're, 
Your muscles are shaking because they can't handle the weight and you overcome it. You're building your willpower. And that willpower is something that you build on. It's like it's like it's in a jar and you keep on building it until you have stored so much of this willpower that before you know it, anything, any challenges that come in front of your life, you could use that willpower to overcome them. And food is the number one yearn for the body because it, your biology requires it in order for it to keep on living. It's, it's really, really important for you to eat. It's really, really important for you to drink. So in any spiritual circle, in every religious experience, your ability, your ability for your consciousness to look at its desires and be able to deny them brings out the, the most out of you. It brings out your willpower. It brings out the, the fact that you are the captain of the ship. I'm the captain now. You know, like it's not, it's not the, the, the boat's not riding you. You are riding the boat. Whenever you start becoming the author of your story, you know, the captain of your ship, however you want to call it, all of a sudden it gives you more purpose. It gives you the ability to, to guide your life in a manner which, you know, pleases you, pleases God. And this is something that Bodhi and I were talking about earlier before we started this podcast was that. Life is so short. There are so many things that we're wanting to do, but yet we do not have that willpower to change our views and to change our paths to overcome or to do the things that we really want to do. So if you're, if you're questioning whether or not you want to start a, a water fast or if you want to start intermittent fasting, I say try it. Give it a shot. Because you're going to be looking at your bodily desires. You're going to be looking at your biology. And it's going to build this relationship with your awareness that will be of a tremendous aid in anything that you choose to do with your life. Whether it be helping raise your children or finishing your assignment or you know, completing your art project or writing your book. All those are desires that we look at but we do not have enough stored willpower to accomplish. So Jesus did it. Everybody does it for Ram does. Lent does it. Bodhi's been doing it. I've been doing other things. I don't know if I would call those fasting, but I think this is a great point that Bodhi's brought up in regards to fasting and your relationship with your body, because all those things lead to a waking up. And whenever you, you wake up, you start realizing that, all along, you were the author of your story, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, this kind of brings me to the quote that you had sent me by Mel Robbins, where she said, motivation is garbage. <laughs> you know, and I thought that was so great. And if you guys don't know what that is, uh, I, th I think you posted that on our Instagram as well. Um, basically, what she's saying is that Whatever you want to do in life, like Abiel said, you know, whether you want to do a fast, whether you want to start a diet, whether you want to start exercising, whether you want to write a book, whatever new habit that you want to form, don't wait for motivation. Motivation is elusive. It's not going to come to you. Don't be like, well, when I feel it, I will do it. Just do it. And then you will feel it. I started this 100-day challenge and, 
you know, it's day 43, I believe now. And there are days when I don't feel like doing it. But what I do realize is that after 30 days of this challenge, and the challenge is about moving, it's about meditating, it's about doing something creative. After 30 days of this challenge, I went and hired a personal trainer because I want to get, you know, stronger and I want to have more stamina. And so I realized that just doing 100 days, uh, 100 reps a day was not cutting it. And so that motivated me. It's because I started moving, I got the motivation. It wasn't the other way around. It's not that I got the motivation and then I started moving. And you brought up a really important point about willpower. It's like I I look at, you know, when, when I went snowboarding, it's like, there were times when I did not want to get up on that slope because I'm not a good snowboarder. But unless and until I don't get up on that slope and go down it, I'm not going to get better. And the same thing with the willpower, unless you don't exercise the willpower, you're not going to have willpower. It's so easy to give in and say, let me just have that chocolate. I will exercise tomorrow or I will meditate tomorrow. No, how about you make the difficult decision today so that tomorrow you can reap the benefits of that? I always say, what is my future self going to be proud of me that I did today, of the decision I made today? I look at future Bodhi and be like, if I do this today, future Bodhi is going to be happy. I like that a lot. One of the things that will help you tremendously is to plan out your week, to to set a time in your itinerary to do the things you got to do. And most successful people, if not all, they block out their entire week and they have everything scheduled so, so they could accomplish the things that they want to. Because it's so easy to turn on your phone and start scrolling or to start watching and binging on a TV show or get done with work and saying, I'm so exhausted. I don't feel like writing. All those things are so easy to do. But when you put it on paper and you make that contract with yourself, then you could start creating the change that you want in your life. And it doesn't happen overnight. What it what was that one quote overnight? I'm a 10 year overnight success. It was something like that. Yeah, it takes a decade to be an overnight success. Exactly. So yeah. it's not, it's not about, you know, it's so much I have to do. It's about being disciplined enough to create a schedule, to stick with your, your, your routines and to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish because life is fairly short. You start, as you get older, you start looking at your life and you start recollecting like, wow, a decade's gone by. That was fast. Two decades have gone fast. That's really fast. The third decade, it starts to like speed travel. So it's it's very important to slow down that time through meditation, through spending time with the people you love by blocking out time to spend with your loved ones. But if you don't block the time, it, it's so easy for life to sweep you and to take you through wherever it wants to take you. And before you know it, you're just drifting. You're not going places, you're just drifting. So if you're tired of drifting, Realize that you could change some of your drifting by what you eat, when you eat it. 
you can start changing your drifting by what you consume, not only through your mouth, but through your eyes and through your spirit. So it's your choice. And if you want to drift, do it in style. Just drift away, whatever. I, I think that that's the beauty about life. You could be the best drifter that has ever drifted this ocean, this world. And I don't think that God will look down upon you. It was just your experience. Go for it. Drift away. Yeah, there's no judgment on any part. Nope. It's whatever you want to make out of your life. But That's hopefully it. if you're listening to this podcast, you're all about personal development. You're about spirituality. You're about meditation. And you're about becoming the better version of yourself every day, all day. Because I know we both are, and we're both, that's the one constant in our life is that we're always trying to be better versions of ourselves. Do we have setbacks? Yeah, we're human. Of course we do, you know, but we get up, we dust ourselves off and we keep marching forward. And this, the one last thing I'll share is I was with my therapist yesterday and you know, I've, I've been seeing her since 2019, so almost two years now. And she's like, I wish I could like take a, show you a snapshot of yourself, of where you were and where you are now. She's like, it just astounds me. And, and I'm not saying this to be boastful, but if I wasn't committed to the fact that I want to be a better version of myself, I would still be that person I was two years ago who was depressed and suicidal. I think if I can do it, anyone can. So if you want to try out fasting, try it out or try out something new, something that scares you. And uh, we're around, you know. Absolutely. If you want to, you want a good detox, listen to episode, I think it's 43 where my wife talks about um, her detox program. That's also very useful. Yeah. It's, it's another way to be diligent with how you eat, have self-discipline and change your habits. So we're giving you a lot of options here. If you're looking for true change and we're excited that you're in this journey with us. So if you have any comments, any uh, if you have any comments or questions for us, Feel free to, to ask. Uh, we had somebody reach out to us not too long ago and it filled our hearts. I can't I can't express to you how much how much joy it brought to us to have a comment um, sent to us through Instagram. So we're always available. We're uh, we're excited to reply back and uh, um, rate us, like us, and review us. That's how you could show your appreciation towards us. And until next time, we're the emotional compass with you every step of the way in your journey to self-development.